0: Hi, I'm Claire Riley and welcome to MS Understood. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in April 2017. At the time, all I wanted to do was get on with my life, put my head in the sand and privately listen to real people's stories about living with this unpredictable disease. I was deep in denial, terrified about the unknown ahead, and I felt really alone. So here it is, MS Understood, conversations with real people from all walks of life who live with MS. Before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge that this episode of MS Understood was recorded across multiple lands. I recognise and acknowledge that all of Australia is Aboriginal land and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land.
1: All right, we're not mucking around anymore. Let's start from scratch. And I really did have a few years of looking at every single decision and every single thing and really thinking hard. What place does this have going forward? How do you want to live life going forward? What do you, what do you want to feel like and look like? And um, life became a lot more enriching.
0: Today on MS Understood, we have Gillian Kingsford-Smith, international journalist, author and MS advocate. Today, we chat about how being a healthy human is a full-time job, the benefit in sharing other people's stories, and why Gillian has decided not to be on treatment for her MS. Hi, Gillian. Thank you so much for joining us on the MS Understood podcast today. How are you going?
1: Oh, I'm good. I'm so excited
0: to be speaking with you, Claire. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm honoured to have you. I've almost finished your first book, and it's just being very enlightening for me to hear Aww. so many stories. But I'm sure
1: we'll talk it's about it. amazing to hear, though. Thank you.
0: Uh, the, so I borrowed it from the library, which is great, and they don't have the other ones. So mum and I are going to um, grab those because I think we'll talk about this, yeah. but I think talking about or talking to family members and then MS nurses will be super interesting to hear about. Love it. Um, but the first thing I really want to get into, and we'll just dive straight in is your diagnosis story. So what led to your diagnosis? How old were you, um, your symptoms and also something that, um, I do want to share positivity through this podcast, but I know that initial reaction isn't always, that's not always the case. Mm. So something about your initial reaction and how that, how that all felt for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, I, you know, I, I inject a little bit of comedy into most things that I talk and write about. So, uh, I was diagnosed eight years ago on April Fool's Day. Um, ironically, funnily, I don't know. <laughs> um, but after a week of, um, oh look, my body just waging absolute war against me. Um, I ended up at my GP. Um, again, ironically, not for. Um, the MS symptoms, but I had a scheduled appointment with her about something else. And as I'm walking into her office, and this is my GP of about 10 years, um, I'm dragging my left leg and she's like, you know, sort of wagging a finger at me and going, uh, so uh, what's going on with your leg? And I said, oh, look, I don't know. I've just been feeling pretty crap all week. Um, felt like I was getting the flu. Um, my neck is really sore. I feel a bit dizzy. Um, Oh, I just happened to have woken up one morning and can't feel my left hand. Um, just, just to, there's so what? many
0: of those, isn't it? I just happened to not be able to feel my little oh fingers.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I just, I remember sitting there one morning and taking my, the fingers on my right hand and tapping the top of my left hand as I'm trying to drink coffee. So I've been going, hmm, doesn't feel right. Um, best not hold a cup of coffee in that hand because I don't think I can feel it to hold it. So all these things are going on. I went to a um, uh, a chiropractor um, after a naturopath had suggested that I might have an inner ear infection. Don't ask me how I ended up at a chiropractor, but it was there was so much going on, and I was very busy. So it's just like just fix this and, and move on. But I went to a chiropractor um, about four days into all this happening, and. You know, he sort of had a bit of a feel on my neck and he actually took an X ray and came back and said, Julian, I I'm not gonna treat you. I, I think this is neurological. I he said it'd just be absolutely remiss of me to treat you today. I want you to see a GP. And I'm so thankful for him doing that. Um, long time friend and I um I mean I've known him since I was twenty and um I just I can't speak highly enough for the chain of events he set off and, and for his I guess um being so above board in what needed to happen from the start. So anyway, when he said GP, I'm like, oh cool, I've got an appointment with my GP um, the next day. So this this works out great. <laughs> and um, as I'm walking to the GP, as I was describing, I start well, I'm dragging my leg, and she's like, no, and she asks all these other things. I'm putting you in an ambulance and sending you to Royal Brisbane Hospital. I said, no, oh, God, it's that's very dramatic. Um, she said, well. Um, well, your choice, you're going there this afternoon, you can go in an ambulance or you can hop in a cab. She said, but either way, I'm organising one of those. And I said, I think a cab would be less dramatic than an ambulance because I'm upright. Anyway, she wrote a very strongly worded letter to the ER department because this is four o'clock on a Friday afternoon when you know everything starts rolling into a city emergency department. And luckily I got in um, within half an hour. And by that stage, it's nearly like life had sped up my body had really started deteriorating, and I just remember nearly sort of collapsing in the ER, like at the ER window where they admit you. And I think me handing this letter over, they're like, "Yeah, let's get her in really quickly and see what's going on." So, for the next few hours, um, lots of residents and nurses and whatnot coming and poking and prodding me, and, and they're saying, "Oh, this is this is um, curious," and they're going down um, cardiothoracic related stuff and thinking. Well, it could be a stroke or a TIA um, and, you know, and then one resident mentioned could be um, MS, but you're getting a bit old for that. So I was forty-two at the time, and I'm like, oh God, old. Like, and most yeah.
0: people are generally diagnosed between twenty and forty.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So forty-two to be considered old um, was, um, <laughs> well, you know, whatever. A bit of a heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But I'm also thinking at the time I, I didn't really know what MS was, but I knew enough to know that I didn't want it. I'm thinking, let's go with stroke. Let's let's just let's really hope it's that. And I mean, that's crazy madness um knowing what i know now just madness um so i was really lucky i got into having an mri the next day and they don't do that in 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 er cases either um and and i just remember having a um, a, a reasonably disgruntled argument with someone saying okay so i can't get an mri here until thursday next week but I could walk across the road and privately get an MRI. And they said, yeah, but once you leave this hospital, you're out. And then you've got to come back in, blah, blah, blah. It's just, you know, welcome to the, um, to the health system. Um, but luckily, a resident fought for me to get an MRI. He was really concerned about how much I was deteriorating. And I got one the next day. And it was just completely conclusive. It, you know, doctor walks in and says, you have M- MS. And... Um, it was like, I, I just, I don't get this. I just don't get it. Um, so I ended up spending about a month in hospital. Um, by this stage, I'd lost complete feeling down the left side of my body. Um, I could barely walk. I certainly couldn't think much. Um, the cognitive stuff was just, I think, because everything was just a, a quagmire of chaos. So it was like, everything's just degrading. Um. And they wanted to just rule out anything else as well. So I had every test under the sun and and whatnot. Ended up having the lumbar puncture, which, you know, again, made sure that we definitely had. So I was actually lucky. I got diagnosed pretty much within 24 hours.
0: Wow.
1: And I now look back and know I'd been living with symptoms for a couple of years in, in various ways. But I do consider myself lucky that I... I knew what it was very quickly because um, you hear a lot of people going back and forth on what is this and, and what could it be and taking months if not years to be diagnosed. So,
0: yeah, I've shared before it took me yeah. so I went to my neurologist and then he said you either have a brain tumour or MS and at yeah, that great. point like you, I was like, I hope it's a brain or he said a benign brain tumour. I was like, Cool, I'll get it cut out and I'll be fine. Hoping for a brain tumor over MS. Yeah, and um, then it took six weeks. So yeah. I waited six weeks from my MRI to
1: my diagnosis.
0: Yeah. It was rough.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's exceptionally hard. It's exceptionally
0: yeah, hard. and so how did you feel? Like you've been in hospital for twenty four hours, even though you were then there for a month. How did you feel in that first? You know, you've got MS. Oh, great. Or shit. Or
1: yeah, yeah. After the um, the neurologist strode in and said you have ms i i sort of lost the plot to be honest um my parents had just walked in and they live six hours away in um, regional new south wales and i think so there was a little bit of fueled emotion on top of all of that and um and our family doesn't get sick we don't take panadols for headaches um you know that sort of stuff so i'm like i i don't i don't get this i don't understand enough about ms so I think there's just a lot of feeling very hollow, which if I reflect back, just complete fear. Um, and I'm getting a lot of clinical information thrown at me. And what I now recognize as being pretty, I'm going to go around a limb here and say outdated. So sort of worst case scenario through to you don't know me. So, but you just throw in so much stuff to deal with
0: yeah so much information
1: yeah yeah you know I was um and it came from nowhere It literally and I guess that's maybe the um the other end of the spectrum to being told so quickly that you have it and thinking good I know I've got but you also don't have a lot of time to process see it's like right okay mm, okay what do we do here yeah so
0: yeah and so you said that was eight you've been diagnosed for eight years eight years eight years yeah um, how do your symptoms show up now?
1: Yeah, I um not a lot has changed as in I haven't grown too many new symptoms. Um so as I mentioned, um I've got a real lack of sensation down the left side of my body, um, primarily in the, 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 the arm and hand and leg. Um and I tend not to use the left hand at all to grip things. There's just really no strength or feeling in it at all. I can't feel my left foot when it hits the ground. Um, and and then on top of that, there's dizziness and vertigo. So and they all feed into each other. Um, and fatigue on top of that, and fatigue brought on just the normal, <laughs> the normal. the <fatigue>. <laughs> no, <normal>. MS normal, <laughs> the normal or like fatigue. normal,
0: normal <laughs> yeah. everyday. normal yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Or you, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I pop a little bit of just trying. I've realised over the last year or two how much energy it takes me to remain upright. And I do it, and it's you do it. Um, can I say you do it invisibly? Like you, I, I just subconsciously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just walk around and, and um, look normal again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it just takes me so much energy to just simply walk and remain upright because of vertigo and and, um, and dizziness. And for me, there is a difference between vertigo and dizziness, but they, they sort of collide for me. I should say we're on video, we're seeing it. Yeah, hour, yeah, sorry. It's all, so to...
0: No, 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 it's great <laughs> for you. But I just wanted to say to the people who are listening is that I'm nodding with everything <laughs> that you say because although everyone's symptoms are so go- hugely mm. different all the time, I feel like there are some kind of similarities. And yeah, totally. And to for me walking because my balance yeah. is so bad and every time yeah. you take your foot off the ground yeah. you're actually balancing yes. and so listening to you say those things i'm like
1: yes 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 yeah, like i yeah. get it that's been so, a steep learning curve for me and that dizziness vertigo balance sort of stuff and um, yeah and i'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit but um heat sensitivity which is why i live in queensland it's just it's just terrible anyway oh. we'll do something about that one day so
0: so the heat isn't great for you
1: it's just diabolical, and yeah, right. um, we're um, we're recording this in, in mid November. I'm I'm, I've probably got another two three weeks of of um, lovely enjoyable summer weather, and then we just get into chaos. So, so
0: do you find that your symptoms um, change a little bit? Do you have days where pilot. they're different with the heat? So they get no, worse.
1: They definitely get worse, and yeah. um, I have more off days. But it just de- depletes. My energy makes the vertigo and balance worse. Um, it really impacts on planning. And we, we do a lot of our fresco dining up here and, and you know, and, and obviously summer's a social time. So I do find myself having to make decisions, ooh, that might not be a great social thing to go to because it's just all – or I can go to that but not for too long because it's just going to get really messy after about maybe half an hour. Yeah, I think it's and such that's a about champagne. <laughs>
0: it makes everything worse, doesn't it? Yeah. People always it's funny because mine is walking. So mm. I look like I've had a few champagnes on yeah. a good day and then I have some champagnes and then I actually fall over. Like I can't stand up anymore.
1: Oh, I feel better with champagne. I think oh, it counterbalances kind of no. me, but I'm, I I mean sleeping. great for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah. something
0: you just said really struck with me. I find I've had um today and yesterday a couple of, for me, quite bad days in mm. a lot of pain. um, And I find that really difficult because I haven't had any new lesions, no yep. Um, yep. relapses since I got diagnosed and started medication. But it's really hard to explain to people mm. that some days, yep. I mean, everyone has bad days and everyone yep. has good days, but some days... Are so much worse than mm. other days and so I think that's hard to explain to people who don't have MS
1: Yeah, it's it's it must be very confusing for them. I mean, it's confusing for us. Yeah, <laughs> so I can only imagine it's confusing for other people as well um, And I don't have an easy answer for that, but I, I do know and, and I've come to this realization over the past say 18 months two years is that I live with MS better now and I've probably got my mind around things better by that very nature, I deal with some of the symptoms better. Um, yeah. And so a lot of people say, you're doing so much better these days. And, and you have to take that as a compliment and, and the, 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 you know, the loving That's how it's that's meant. Yeah. But I, I know my symptoms are actually getting progressively worse, but I'm just dealing with it all better. And, yeah. and I, I mean, I guess that's a good spot to be in, but it's, it's confusing all round. Um, and i
0: suppose it's exhausting too for me it's um i find it sometimes exhausting that way of kind of covering it up all the time
1: yeah, Not covering totally.
0: it up but but living day to day and not walking around moping about it because there's no point in that but it's exhausting to cover almost cover it up
1: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i probably exhausted myself way more than i needed to in the early days doing that and overthinking things and, as you say, trying to cover it up or or, um, actually uh, trying to be strong for everyone else. And I'm probably paying for that a little bit now because I don't ask for help as easily as I should or could. But it also, it doesn't actually help you get any further along, I think. And I've been working with an amazing psychologist all year about this. I've sort of probably gotten further away from some of my values and what is meaningful to me as I strive harder to cover it up and be strong and I'm fine and I'm going to be there for everyone else. And it's been nice. Um, uh, it's been so lovely having a pandemic this year. Oh, I, I, <laughs>
0: yeah. a, a, although we both We're know laughing, yeah. very much that it's been awful for people all around yeah, the world. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, because for be me like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah.
0: and I think that's a really good lesson if there are people listening who have just been diagnosed and they found yeah. this podcast for me the reason I've created it is because it's what I wanted when I was first diagnosed something mm. that I can secretly listen to in mm. my own time on my own and not share with anyone that I was going through hard times but I think that's yeah. the lesson is that people love to help like people are happy to help you generally if you say I'm having a rough day. I can't go out. Or can yep. you do this for me? Like people are generally happy.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, look, and I think there's something to be said around in choosing your posse um, in that as well, because obviously there's, um, there's helpers and there's helpers. Um, one part of my story, I don't talk about a lot for no other reason. That's just really confusing for people, but I got diagnosed with breast cancer 10 weeks after MS. Um, it, and And that was, I mean, what do you say? What do you say and do? So I had to pick a disease really quickly to fight. But why I say, and, and I can go into that, but it's actually just not that interesting. And I'm living really well with all that these days. But I formed a group, um, a very private Facebook group in those early days of the cancer of people I trusted and people I could just write a quick sentence to every day. And that was my way of asking for help without and letting people know how i was doing without broadcasting it too far and without telling the story over and over a dozen times and um and i had a, a pretty full-on schedule of, of of chemo and surgeries and radiology so it was letting people know that schedule and and so they could rally themselves and say hey i'm driving you today or this or that but it was exhaust it, it was a great piece of advice i was given by a nurse in do find your posse and set the ground rules in how you want to be given help or ask for help or give information or, or whatever it might be. And I think you've got that group. So sometimes
0: it's so much easier just yeah. to put out one bit of information Probably. and people can choose if they're ready to um, engage in that. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so I've read your story about having breast cancer after your so soon after your ms diagnosis Mm. and i know that you had to focus on breast cancer Mm. straight away um back to i suppose back to the ms is did you choose to take any medication once you were in that right frame of mind and are you still taking if you are are you still taking medication or treatment for your ms
1: yeah um once I got through all the cancer treatments and again, I, I did really well with all that because we we're incredibly proactive and, and threw everything at it um, because it was pretty sinister what was going on. Um, a lot of conversations with my oncologist in the first place um, and, and also just trying to get them all on board with the neurologists and talking with each other. The oncologist really advised against me taking a, um, a DMT. Um, for me personally, and I have to stress that for me personally because of my pathology, others might be able to or be able to make that choice. But they just said, we've looked at your pathology. We don't believe you can risk doing anything with your immune system.
0: And just the DMT is
1: the disease-modifying so, yeah, treatment. Yeah, just, yeah.
0: And I think that's the key, isn't it, is for everyone. They need to really speak to their healthcare care Absolutely. Make
1: your own decisions and look yep. at it from a few angles. So um, I couldn't take an immunosuppressant. Um there's one or two medications that I could have taken, um, Tysabri being one of them, but I tested positive for the JC virus, so we had to wipe that out. And in the meantime, in the last um, 12, yeah, actually, coming up 12 months, I've switched to a neurologist down in Sydney because, um, because this is a, a slightly complex situation trying to do these two diseases. Um, and he looked at everything, redid scans, and he agrees with the decision, um, to not take a, um, a treatment, uh, a, well, a DMT, I'll, I'll come back to yeah. that. Um, because I've also gone into that progressive stage. And so the, the very fine treatments for relapsing remitting no longer would work for me anyway. And we're back to the same scenario with the progressive treatments in that it will compromise my immune system. So um, I would very much like to take one. Um, oh right. Yeah, yeah. Look, if I could, I would, but I don't. I don't want cancer again. I mean, <laughs> God no. <laughs> um,
0: really, like, yeah. you know, I just think it's so interesting you yeah. and my previous two guests. Not no one, none of you three are taking any kind of any medication or treatment. And yeah. for me, that has never been a a thing I've considered. And oh, so wasn't for me
1: either, Claire. I, yeah, I, I read long and hard about everything, and and I, I I I can name the top three things I wanted to take, and and I couldn't wait to finish up chemo and get through all the surgeries, and then get back to treating MS. Yeah, and and I had a great neurologist at the time who was very good about weighing the treatments and trying to right, find the right solution. So I I while I, while my treatment now is. Um, living as a healthy human and again i can go into more of that um i have great belief that there's some very good treatments out there so it's a slightly i know there's a lot of people who prefer not to take a treatment and go the natural route and get each to their own absolutely i just couldn't i I just wanted to to do it but could yeah yeah right really Um, hard decision because i also had a neurologist who argued with me who said if you don't get on one now you're going to go downhill quickly and we can't do anything and Oh, that's so it's not a what you are situation to be put in. It really yeah. is.
0: Yeah. Um, you just spoke about being a healthy human. So yeah. what does that mean for you?
1: Yes. I, I speak really passionately about this and it's not, it, it's taken a few years to get it to the position it is because, Claire, it's a full-time job being a healthy human. It takes oh. a lot of work i think i
0: shared this in one of my other but for me i'm like physio and osteo and chiropractor and drinking enough water and going for a walk and doing pilates and
1: oh my goodness it is so worth it though it just takes a bit to get your mind around well if i'm doing that i'm taking away from doing work or or, um, whatever it might be but for me it's just been amazing and probably the the journey started about two years ago with my exercise physiologist. I, I was doing a lot of healthy things, but it was a real turning point to start working with an exercise physiologist. My doctor um, and neuro had been saying for about two years before that, you really should be seeing one. I'm like, no, I do Pilates a couple of times a week. I'm healthy. I walk, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I don't want to, you know, gosh, you know, someone else could be using that sort of um, um, that service or whatever. I, I don't know how that factored into my mind, but it did. Anyway, I finally got into a spot where I got a few work projects off my plate and thought, okay, I've got time to commit now to an exercise physiologist. And I was so lucky that I found the right one right from the start. And um, he's made me healthier and stronger and really brought home why this needs to be done. So I've got the EP. Um, A psychologist has always been a, a really big factor for me as well. And, um, and you know, I'm very public in talking about the anxiety that I've experienced, but also trying to sift through stuff um, in life as well. And by that, I mean, um, you know, dealing with two major diseases and, and working out what life looks like and how you're going to survive all that. So that was, that was massive. Um, sleep's massively important to me, as is diet Um, and it, because everyone asks, what diet are you on? Um, I'm on, I'm on the healthy human diet. (laughs) It's a little uh, bit of cake,
0: a little bit of vegetables, a little bit of champagne. Totally.
1: Yeah, totally. It is that look clean. So long as I know what's in the food, which means eating really, um, lots of vegetables and fish and, and just, you know, nothing comes out of the packet. Yeah. 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 um, and, and that makes a massive difference with brain health and all that sort of stuff as well, which which we um, very much need to pay attention to with MS. Um, so we've got EP, we've got psychologist, um, we've got sleep, we've got diet, um, and the other thing I would really I, I can I've been dabbling with this um, over the last really twenty years, but this year it's it's really come to the forefront is meditation and mindfulness. Um, Ten minutes a day, that's all it takes. For me um and again it's just just slowing things down a bit and it allows me to match my capacity to my energy at that point in time and that's been um because in case you can't tell by the way i talk everything's 100 miles a minute for me and and i love life and 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 yes i have shitty days too but sometimes i've just got to slow down and go what am i feeling right now to match that capacity and that that internal energy to the physical energy
0: yeah i need to get back into meditation it's definitely it's something that i did and i was like cool done tick. Yep. and then moved on but um i think it's really important i i saw something somewhere about how we never get into um the parasympathetic sympathetic mm-hmm. state anymore and our bodies never actually have a chance to recover yeah and so yep. meditation gives our bodies that chance to start to repair the things that you know, need
1: to yeah. be prepared. Yeah. One of the things I've started doing this year, which my um, my psychologist suggested, was um, putting two two points into my day, which are anchoring points. And I actually use my, my phone and the reminders section in the phone to just flash up, I think, around about um, 11.30 or about 11 and, and about 3.30 in the afternoon. And they're two slightly different questions, but it's just like, just stop for a second. And, and both of these take 30 seconds each. Just stop for a second, put your feet on the ground, feel the earth and ask yourself, you know, what am I feeling at this point in time and how does that match that energy match what I'm trying to do? And the second one is something along the lines of, you know, am I aligning myself with what I want to be doing in life or can I exist in this moment feeling this way? And there's all sorts of different setups that you can use.
0: That's a great idea just to have the reminders in your phone. Because like you said, it's 30 seconds and it's that mindfulness as opposed to sitting down and meditating, which is not everyone's jam. Yep. But having the reminder come up on your phone, which we all have. Yeah. And just being like, oh yeah. And taking a second to think about that.
1: If nothing else, even on the like very rarely can I not find thirty seconds to just stop. But Mm. if I am even if I'm driving and I hear it. I just at least, you know, straighten my shoulders and and get some air into my chest and just breathe for a second. So um, it's just been really helpful for me to do that a couple of times a day. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Um,
0: We've mentioned briefly about Mm. the books that you've written. Mm. Um, You started writing them, I think, if I'm correct, within a year or the first one, within a year of your diagnosis. Six weeks yeah Six weeks so yeah. this was before you'd been diagnosed with yeah. breast cancer yeah and then in the midst of breast cancer <laughs> crazy woman um, no <laughs> great um i'm just about to finish the first of the three books that you've written you have interviewed people with ms individuals who sorry family members or yep. people who are um yep.
1: so support people yeah care a support network yeah
0: um, and MS nurses, which I'm super interested to read yeah. from around
1: the world. Yeah,
0: what made you decide to do that so soon after your diagnosis?
1: I I just remember, and everyone's done this. Um, you you turn straight to Doctor Google, but I just remember being in hospital, like two a.m., and and you know sheets over my head, and on the iPad trying to Google anything to do with MS because I wanted the plan. I wanted to work out how do I get on with this, you know. I was running a pretty full- on business at the time I was really involved in my community um, i'm uh, I'm unmarried and don't have kids, but I had all this stuff going on and it was like how do i how do I deal with all this and there was nothing on the web to give me the plan um, at least not that I could find and not in the way I wanted to I'd been working as a journalist um, since I was twenty years old anyway, so it was just my nature. Well, you go out and you find the answers you you talk to people and and that sort of stuff. And um, I went, well, okay, I I guess there might be an opening here to, to write a book and, um, and and whatnot. Um, And so I, I sort of had a good think about it. And as I thought more about it, I went, this actually needs to be three books. I need to look at this from 360 degree views. Um, So the first book I interviewed, um, people who had been diagnosed with MS anywhere from 12 months through to 30 years. And they come from all different walks of life, male, female, different ages, different professions, um, all sorts of things. And each chapter in the book is its own standalone chapter. So if that person's story doesn't resonate with you, cool, move on to the next chapter and find something that might, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of tips and tricks throughout and, and, um, and all that sort of stuff. Then for me, the, the role of the carer or the supporter was really important. Because they, they, I just saw what my parents um, and my sister was going through at the time and, and how they desperately needed answers. But I could see that they were also putting so much energy into trying to keep me upright, but who was looking after them? And so the book on the carers or supporters, and that book's called Taking Control Together, that's their story it's not their story about how they care for someone with ms it's their story about how they care for themselves and it was really hard to write because i kept coming back to this is what i'm putting my parents and my family through um but they they felt really empowered telling their stories because no one had ever asked the carers or supporters "How how do you do this and it was really interesting throughout the interviews, they'd start off talking about the person i are caring for, and I'd have to say, No, 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 we're talking about you. I want to know what you're doing. And it was it was amazing. Then my MS nurse was really important to me right from from the beginning. And um that was the third book, going, This is a really important cohort of people to look at in the the MS equation. Um and that was that book's only come out this year. It took me a long time. It took me nearly two years to write that book. Um, the other books took about 12 months each to write. Um, I interviewed 30 nurses from around the world this time and looked at different health systems globally, how they train um, different systems in place. Um, I looked at the cultural stuff and um, um, different medications and the effects of that and how different clinics work. It was it was the book I wish I had read first.
0: Oh, right.
1: And by nature, the book I w- wish I had written first, but I, there's no way I could have written that book first, Claire, because I didn't know enough about MS to get it right. Yeah. And I think the, the first book is the place to start, but the, the third book to, um, about nurses, it's, it's probably that, that bit you need to keep getting on with things and to, yeah, yeah I love that book. And the nurses, oh my, it's the International Year of the Nurse um, as oh, we record great. this. Yeah. And my God, they're they're just they're amazing people. I can't um I get a bit teary thinking about them because they're just amazing.
0: Yeah. I'll pop a link to the books yeah, um in the podcast mm. notes. Um but yeah, I I think it's great and I um I didn't know that you'd written the books until we were gonna have this mm. conversation and found it at our local library, but I'm definitely gonna be purchasing the purchasing the three because I think it's just information that I can read, my husband can read, my parents can read, you know, all of it's just invaluable. And pass to friends if they don't Yeah. If, you know, if they're not sure what they can be doing or Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a really valuable even if which I don't know, it seems a bit silly, but as a gift to someone who's just been diagnosed with MS.
1: I get that I think a lot. it'll be really
0: helpful yeah. because if you don't know what to do you can buy them, you can read them and then you can give them to your friend who's then going to be living with it for the rest of their life.
1: I think that's a, that's a lovely idea and, and I know th- they purchased it in that kit form a lot, all three books together. But the, um, I, for the carers and supporters, um, I had um, a group of four friends interviewed. I didn't, couldn't do the interview. I got a, um, another um, friend of mine, um, Ebony Cavallaro, who's a Channel 9 reporter. She sat down with my four friends over a couple of glasses of wine and interviewed my friends and recorded it. I wrote it up, but she interviewed and and recorded it for me because there was no way I could interview them and have them be as forthright. And I remember getting the recording at about midnight after she'd finished. And I sat, I I sat in a darkened room listening to it and it was, it was amazing and gutting at the same time. That's not to say it was information I needed to hear, but it's really interesting to see how your friends deal with this and, um, and some of the things and how they perceive things as well. But they were totally right in everything they said. There's, there's, it was beautiful and raw, but it, it's a great way if you have a friend with MS to maybe feel okay with what you're feeling as well and what you see yeah. with them. I know that's a bit of a convoluted way of saying it, but, yeah. It yeah, was, no. no. An amazing was it. it was a hard experience but an amazing experience all at once yeah for sure
0: mm. um now i'm going to quote so. you back to you um, <laughs> so i listened to um a podcast you're on the get better lab podcast oh yeah with cam yeah yeah and it was really great so i'll pop a link to that too because i really really enjoy it it's really yeah. good yeah um and you said if you're going to use an advert or campaign with a person in a wheelchair to raise money then you are not for me now, this really resonated with me as much. I mean, the whole podcast did obviously, but this particular line because when I was first diagnosed, my mum called the MS Society to get some support for her. Mm. Um, and she said something along the lines of, Um, you know, I'm looking like, is it all going to be bad? She didn't know what she was going to be looking for. I was, I don't know, maybe, yep, 30, 20 at nine when I was diagnosed, and um, she was given the impression that because everyone was in wheelchairs you yep. know, and obviously that is the case for some people, but not the case for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, she was given the impression that good news don't help raise money. There are good news stories, but yep. they don't get the don- donations. Different. Different. And so I wanted to talk to you about why you felt this way, because yep. for me, it, that's all we see. It, yep. that's, that's what we see in um, advertising. And that's what kids like, you know, the MS readathon or that sort of thing. And obviously that's not the case for most people diagnosed with um, relapsing remitting MS.
1: Mm. Look, I I, I mirror everything you've said. And I have a couple of very dear friends um, living with MS and in wheelchairs, but they are living very active and inspirational lives. And I use the word inspirational in a very metered sort of way because um, I think it's it's a throwaway line as well. A lot of us say, oh, you're so inspirational. Yeah. Well, how? Why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's
0: a funny word.
1: People People
0: it who, it's interesting, just a tangent, but it people Sorry, yeah. who people find in inspirational mm. often hate the word inspirational. <laughs> so it's <laughs> people who...
1: Are being called
0: that who don't yeah. like it yeah. so it's
1: yeah it's interesting yeah yeah so um i, I think when I, I just find i would rather leave a legacy of inspiring confidence in a, a life well lived and a life lived wholly and fully and i think that is both more Comforting and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, it'll come to me. This is cog fogger its I was going to say, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. mess memory. Yeah. um I think when I, I would rather see, well, I would rather donate to a campaign that shows me the power of research. Um, and I'm all about research in MS, um, and I want to see the good outcomes from the research, and where my money is going to help that. And if it means um, that I'm going to live a longer, healthier life, um, then that's sort of where I'm getting to. So it's—I know I'm dancing around this a little bit, Claire, because I—I I said that to Cam and. When I listened back to the podcast, I went, oh, I've got some really good friends who are living a very good life with MS in a wheelchair and I felt horrible. But, but I, I just, think it, like
0: you say, it's not, it's not that people aren't in wheelchairs. Yeah. It's that there's also people who aren't in wheelchairs.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't think it's the main, I don't think you can hang your hat um, off that sort of visual to fundraise in a good way, um, yeah. I, I just—it's sort of deceptive that yeah. that's
0: that—that's what they're raising money for. Because hopefully, one day, that money that's being raised is going also towards people who yep. aren't in wheelchairs. That's right. That's yeah. right. And so it's not like you've said it's not that people with MS or people that we both know aren't in wheelchairs. It's yep. that that money that is being raised is going towards hopefully everyone Mm. on various spectrums yeah absolutely with ms
1: absolutely you know and it also touches on a point where as we all know and i know you've spoken about this before is it um ms is largely um an invisible disease and it's because we are learning to live quite well with ms now we're learning more about it and we're learning about the modifiable lifestyle factors that help us live a little bit better yeah and you want to live well with, I know, well, I, I can speak from uh, a personal um, perspective, but I want to live well with MS and I want to be seen as strong and healthy. Yeah. But that doesn't say I don't have really feral bad days, but I don't need everyone to see them every day. I, I, people peek in and they say it and I let people know, you know, at times, but I don't need to be seen as that every day. But I need a cure just as much as anyone else. I hate the word cure too. I need a solution to this just as much as anyone else.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I just, like I said, it really resonated with me because it was something that my mum specifically found quite difficult in my early diagnosis. So yeah. Yeah. Um, You talked in your book and in various things um, (laughs) about how this crazy time of your life, both your diagnoses, Mm. um, was a gift and yep. how you were so lucky to have a, have them happen to you yep. um so this question is talking about the best thing that has happened to you because of your ms
1: yep yep um i got to pull life apart and put it back together again i can't say it's simpler to that and that's been a pure gift to me um i don't think i particularly like the person i was back then um I was very busy all the time and I I don't know that I would have pulled life apart to the extent if I didn't also have to deal with the breast cancer at the same time but that was the tap on the shoulder I needed Claire it was all right we're not mucking around anymore let's start from scratch and I really did have a few years of looking at every single decision and every single thing and really thinking hard, what place does this have going forward? How do you want to live life going forward? What do you, what do you want to feel like and look like? And um, life became a lot more enriching. It certainly became a lot healthier. Um, Friendships became deeper. The work I chose to take on became more meaningful. Um, And i I'm now a bit more in tune when things get a bit out of whack, when I've taken on a bit too much work or doing a bit too much social stuff. When I, by that I mean stuff I don't really want to go to. You just say yes to something and go, you get there and go, Oh my God, this is hideous. Like, What, what am I doing here? Um, so, and you know, it really wasn't that hard to do. And I try to do a bit of decluttering quite regularly. So it's, it's like, you know, pulling a drawer out of the kitchen and upending it and, taking a look at everything and washing it off and putting it back in neatly and throwing a few things out and it just becomes a bit more intuitive.
0: Yeah. I think for, I absolutely agree. I think that it's, um it's definitely been for me, that clarity of things yeah. that you want to have in your life and things that you just don't have the time and energy for, yep. but you know, yep. you've really got to um, sort those things out. So.
1: Absolutely. I think as part of that decluttering was prioritizing health too. I am, Far healthier um, as I like. I turn uh, fifty <laughs> in, in about two weeks' time. Oh, happy birthday! Yeah, and I'm okay with all of that too. To be honest, I, I'm actually far healthier, despite or maybe in spite of everything that's gone on, um, because I have prioritised health, and that's yeah. physical health, emotional health, psychological health, all that. Yeah, sort of stuff. yeah, definitely to do for yourself.
0: Yeah, and I think um, often people don't get the wake-up call to do that. They don't. Yeah. They don't.
1: They don't. And, you know, I, I know my friends and family have done similar things because of that. And and that's so amazing to know that you've had that little bit of knock-on effect that people are gone, well, well, why shouldn't we look after ourselves or prioritise our health or, or whatever it might be? Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: And my last question that I like to ask everyone is what is something you would tell people to make MS more understood?
1: I think it's. I thought about this, and I'd have to say something around that it's invisible and changeable every day and i apologize in advance for all of us if i can (laughs) i'm sure it's fine (laughs) Um, no look it's just it's it's a funny old disease and it's fiendishly complex but it's just um the invisible nature is just really um misunderstood and also very hard for people to get their minds around and, and for ourselves as well so a if you're living it give yourself a break um, oh, B if you're experiencing it um give yourself a break but also just maybe i, I am really open about this ask me questions and and i think there's be a lot of other people with msr or other chronic conditions out there ask questions to understand it um before making judgments or talking to other people going oh she looked all right today yeah that sort of stuff
0: yeah yeah definitely thank you so much for giving us it is isn't it and (laughs) i think that's the thing is that most it's really hard it's completely um misunderstood because it's so different for everyone and you can't see it most of the time so it's something that i'm hoping it raises even if it, it just gives someone a thought of, a oh, or a
1: conversation just or whatever ask
0: them how they're going today yep. and yep. sometimes you or i or per, a person with ms will say i'm fine i don't want to talk about it or i'm fine mm. and other days like for me today i just was in so much pain this morning um that if anyone had asked me i would have burst into tears yeah. so you know some days are just like that
1: yeah
0: yeah absolutely yeah Thank you so much for giving us your time today. It's been such a joy
1: to talk with you. It's really been like therapy for me. So thank you. Yay! (laughs) And likewise, likewise. So, um, yeah, ask me questions, reach out if if anyone's listening and wants to know stuff. But um, thank you for doing this, Claire. I think it's it's a great podcast and and, uh, I can't wait to see what people learn from it. No, thank you.
0: thank you so much for listening to today's episode of ms understood podcast you can find jillian on instagram at jwksmith you can find me on instagram at claire.riley and at ms understood podcast please give us a follow on spotify and share this podcast with someone you think it might help